You're listening to the eFree Lethbridge Podcast. Okay, church, <laughs> here we go. We're currently in a, a series called Commissioned, and it's this reminder that we are commissioned people, that we are commissioned people. That commission isn't just for the person beside you, it's for you. We, the church, you and me, we are commissioned people. When I think about commissioning, I always go back to basic training in the army when I was there three years ago. As some of you know, I'm a part-time chaplain in the Canadian Armed Forces, and what they do with the chaplains and the doctors and the nurses is that they send them to basic training together because though they think they are, they're not 18, 19, and 20 anymore. <laughs> so they put us all together uh, to do basic together. And I'll never forget this. We had this 25-year-old sergeant, and it was after they did our room inspections, which were not up to snuff, and this sergeant came in front of all of us, our doctors, doctors, nurses, and chaplains, and he said this, you carry the Queen's commission. It's about time you step up and start acting like it. And with all the swearing and yelling that you could imagine from a drill sergeant, that was what he gave us. (laughs) I'll never forget it. It was an amazing dressing down. probably felt about this small. Here I am as like a 37-year-old doing basic training, getting told what to do by some 25-year-old punk. (laughs) Right? Uh, But see, in in the military, your commission is simply this. You now have received the authority to command. Right? A commission means that I now have the authority to command, to lead. And in our text here, Jesus says that I am commissioning the church, you and me, to go and make disciples. You have the authority to lead. You are called to go and make disciples, teach, baptize, make disciples. You've received this commission. Jeremy assigned this to me. And to be honest, church, I thought to myself, oh, please, no. (laughs) Make disciples. Sometimes I feel like we talk about discipleship and then we talk about it again and then we talk about it again and then again and then again and then again. Conferences and and meetings over and over again. And I'm like, Jeremy, I just don't know what I could say on this topic anymore. Go and make disciples. And as I prayed on it, I read this quote. Here it is. The number one question in most churches today is how are we properly adequately and effectively making disciples. If your church's number one question isn't this, you should probably shut the doors and read Matthew 28, verse 18, and think why making disciples is not our church's top priority. Indeed, this was and remains Jesus' top priority for us as the church, for us as the people of God. And it was like the Spirit just kind of captured my attention again. And if you want to encourage Pastor Jeremy, just simply encourage him with this. Keep going, Jer. Keep reminding the staff, this is priority. Jer, remind us, sure, attendance is good. Mission is good. Giving is good. But are we as E-Free Church, are we making disciples? And what do we need to do in order to better see this happen? That's Jeremy's priority. Friends, everything needs to be on the table. 
when we talk about this question. How are we making disciples as the people of God? And so my prayer for us this morning is just how the Spirit got a hold of me once again around this commission. That the Spirit would simply get a hold of you once again around this commission. That the Spirit would capture your attention and your imagination. Oh, amen. So to start, I'm just gonna simply put some definitions in front of you. The first one is, so what is a disciple? I think there's many misconceptions around discipleship. When we hear this phrase, go and make disciples, I don't know about you, but I automatically think it says go and make conversions. Go and make conversions. Conversion, as the Apostle Paul says, is someone who was dead and is now brought to life. Jesus says in John chapter 3, to be born again. My life was going one way, and then I met Jesus, and now my life is going another way. That's conversion. Conversion is part of being a disciple, but it's not the full picture of discipleship. See, conversion is a one-time event, whereas discipleship is what, church? It's lifelong. One time, lifelong. Jesus doesn't call us to go and convert people. Jesus calls us to make disciples. There's nuance there, but it's important. The second thing, a disciple means more than just belief. Discipleship is more than just belief. When you think of a Christian today, or you think of a disciple today, we automatically go to belief. I believe in Jesus. But let me ask you this. Did Jesus teach his followers more about belief, believe in me, or practice, follow me? Well, indeed, both. Both. Yet we tend to separate what the Bible never separates. Mainly, I can believe in Jesus, but I don't have to follow him. We tend to separate what the Bible never separates. We, we have this idea that, okay, I, I said this prayer, I got my eternal life pass, now I can carry on with my life as I see fit. But really, that begs the question, would I really enjoy or thrive in eternity in the presence of someone that I was never interested in my whole life. We've emphasized this transaction, whereas Jesus emphasized relationship. Relationship. See, Jesus never gives us this option, put, my faith, put your faith in me and don't follow me. This is consistent with the New Testament. Those who hear my words and put them into practice are the wise man, the one who built his house on the rock. Matthew 7, verse 24. James chapter 3, verse 14 and 25. Faith without works is dead. The Apostle Paul in Philippians verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 8. Whatever you've watched me do, or heard me say, or seen in me, put it into practice. Of course, Jesus' invitation to his disciples at the beginning and the end of the gospel isn't go and believe in me, but indeed, follow me. 
See, what Mark Clark says about this is what Jesus teaches us is that you can't just think your way into Christianity. You can't just think your way into Christianity. You have to live your way into Christianity. See, discipleship, it's, it's both faith in Jesus and faithfulness to Jesus. In fact, the early church didn't define themselves as Christian, but indeed as followers of the way, the book of Acts. This is the fellowship of the way. The way of who? The way of Jesus. Faith in Jesus and faithfulness to him. And so again, my simple definition of being a disciple is simply this, I'm a follower of the way, or I'm a follower of Jesus. So now that we have those definitions in front of us and some discussion around it, we go into what the text is calling us to, go and make disciples, which begs the question, how do I make a disciple? <laughs> so what I'm going to do, church, how do I make a disciple, is I'm going to start by asking you a question, and from your answer, I'm going to move us to three postures. So how do I make a disciple? I'm going to ask you a question, and then I'm going to put three postures in front of you out of that question. Here's the question. Do you believe this commission is for you? There's the question. Do you believe, go and make disciples, do you believe this commission is for you? We can't move forward without an answer to that question. I'm gonna make a big claim here, my friends. This commission, go and make disciples, invites you into the greatest adventure of life. That doesn't mean that you have to go somewhere other than where you are. It doesn't mean that your life isn't gonna have great loss and great difficulty. It doesn't mean that life is gonna be easy and comfortable from now on. But this commission invites you into the greatest adventure and purpose for your life. That's my big claim. And I remember as I was wrestling with that, I looked at my wife, Ruthie, and I just said, I don't know, Ruthie, I'm making a big claim. Is this true? Do, do, do we believe this? And I love Ruthie's response. She just simply says, man, I need that reminder. I believe it, but I need to believe it again because it's too easy to get distracted. Indeed, that is why we are here. That is why we are here. That's why I'm a parent. That's why you are a husband or a wife. That's why you're single. That's why you're a teacher or a police officer. That's why you're a volunteer at the soup kitchen. That's why you're a leader at work. That's why we gave to IJM. That's why we're a McDonald's employee. That's why we're in the neighborhood that we're in because Jesus invites us to participate what he cares about. Go and make disciples. Jesus is inviting us into that life and that life is a great adventure and the greatest purpose that we could have. And we need that reminder again as the people of God. Yes, I believe that. Yes, I believe that. Church, how do I know? Experience, yes. 
Ruth and I both would say experience, yes, but more so I believe that because of what the Bible teaches. Look at Luke, the gospel writer's definition of being a disciple. Luke chapter five, verse 11. They left everything and followed him. Or what about Jesus' description of the kingdom of heaven? Matthew 13, 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that's hidden in a field. And when the man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went out and sold all that he had and he bought that field. Why? Because he found something that he longed for. He found something better than anything this world could offer him. And it was Jesus. The disciples found someone worth selling it all for, worth dying for, because indeed Jesus had more for their life than anything this world could offer them. Do we believe this? I often ask people, what do you think that Jesus is calling you to? And to summarize it, I gotta go back to church and I gotta be a better person. Friends, no wonder why we're so bored. <laughs> right? No wonder why people are leaving faith in church because Jesus has underwhelmed them. Sure, going to church or marriage or kids or career, all important things, but they aren't the treasure in the field. They aren't the treasure in the field. The disciples left everything and followed him. It costed them everything. They died for this. Why? Because Jesus had a greater vision for their lives. I got more for you than anything this world could offer you. This commission, go and make disciples. I got more for you. And it's gonna cost you. And you're gonna have to give up everything for it. But there is no greater adventure and no greater purpose. And I think all of us need to ask what Ruthie and I asked on Monday night. Do we still believe that this commission is for me? That's the question. To go and make disciples must start with an ownership of that commission on my life. This isn't for someone else. This is for me. I love what Jesus said to Peter at the end of the Gospel of John. It's almost like he posed this question. And what did Jesus, what did Peter, what did Peter say? John 21, verse 21, Peter said to Jesus, what about him, Lord? What about him, Lord? And Jesus responds, don't worry about him. As for you, Peter, you follow me. The first question, do I believe this commission applies to me? Because if you're like me, you're like Peter, and you're looking to somebody else. And Jesus says, you Follow me. And friends, as I said at the beginning, I'm going to ask you a question. Any response to that question will now dictate the rest of the sermon. 
ownership of the commission is the first step. How you ask that, answer that question. So I'm just gonna put three simple postures in front of us. I've answered the question, now what? <laughs> the first posture, and I would say the most important posture, in fact, everything will flow out of your posture here. And here it is, first posture. I can't make disciples without a commission. I can't make disciples without a commission. Why? Because the commissioning means that the authority is not coming from me. It's not reliant on me. The authority comes from him. Your ability to make disciples comes not from you, but from above. Acts chapter three, verse three and six says this. This is really the first detailed interaction of Jesus' disciples after the commission was given. Acts chapter three, verse three. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. This was the beggar at the temple, sorry. There was a beggar at the temple and he was waiting there. And here's where we pick up the story. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money, but Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. Peter and John could not heal this man. Only the Holy Spirit could heal the man. What is this showing about our discipleship? Your horizontal impact, make disciples. Your horizontal impact, make disciples, comes from your vertical relationship. Your horizontal impact comes from your vertical relationship. We love to focus on the have-nots. I don't have enough. I don't have enough experience. I don't have enough education. I don't have enough gifting. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough Bible knowledge. And church, that's just me. <laughs> that's just me. The reality is, is you don't have enough. Yet Peter writes in 2 Peter 1 verses 3, his power has given you everything you need for living the life that you were called to. Is that a have not person or a have person? His power has given you everything you need for, the, for living the life that you were called to. Why? Because your horizontal impact is not dictated by your experience and your education and what you have. It's dictated by what Jesus is doing in and through you, my friends. Your horizontal impact isn't based on you. It's based on your vertical relationship with Jesus. I remember I was at a, a wedding and this guy told me, I love weddings because weddings, everybody loosens up a little bit and all of a sudden they want to have spiritual conversations. And I'm like, I want to go home. <laughs> but this, I want to go home. But this guy looked at me and he said, you know, Luke, you seem to have your life together. How did you get to where you are? And I laughed at him. I'm like, man, you should have seen me 10 years ago, you know, five years ago, yesterday. <laughs> 
have and have, don't have and have. And, and I just said to this guy, look, I don't have step-by-step life advice. I'm not as far along as you think I might be. But what I do have, I'll just simply tell you this. Jesus got hold of my life in my 20s and I've never looked back. That's all I have. Peter and John, silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have, I give to you. There's a story in Acts chapter 19 where these Jewish guys went out and they tried to heal a demon-possessed person in the name of Jesus. The evil spirit said to them, Acts chapter 19, the evil spirit said to them, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? See, the vertical relationship wasn't there. And therefore, the impact wasn't there. And the evil spirit called them on it. You got nothing. Friends, you can't give what you don't have. I cannot make disciples without a commission. The power, the ability, the authority comes not from me, but indeed from above. Shallow relationship with Jesus, shallow impact for the kingdom. Deep, real, growing relationship with Jesus deep impact for the kingdom. I remember an old professor friend of mine and he made this claim, what people in the church want to see from their pastor, they don't care about what you know. They care about who you know. And all they want to know is that their pastor knows God. Not just about God, but do they have a relationship with him? See, I think that's the challenge for us, church. Today, like in Acts chapter 19, people have no time for pretending or faking. Pretending to have a relationship with God or going through the motions. That ain't how we step into the commission to make disciples by pretending or faking. So if you wanna make disciples, if I wanna participate in what Jesus is doing in this world, then my focus must remain where? Not on the horizontal, but indeed on the vertical. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind because the horizontal impact is dependent on the vertical relationship. What's the second part of that command? The second posture. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Second posture, love your neighbor. Second posture, presence with. Presence with. Making a disciple can't happen without relationship. Chelsea, our youth pastor, she gave me this book and it's called, It's Just a Phase. And church is funny. Chelsea's been here for a long time and I used to give Chelsea's books and she never read them and now Chelsea gives me books and I don't read them. <laughs> Tables have turned, eh? Here we go. 
So she gave me this book. Uh, Life is just a phase. Why every life stage matters, so don't miss it. And it basically talks about discipling kids, all the way from kids all the way up to young adults and what you need to focus your attention on. So right away, I opened to age two and three. (laughs) And it says, they need attention. Look at me constantly. So give them the attention they're demanding. I'm like, oh man, I kind of suck at that. Paisley and Jack are now four and five. So I've totally missed that stage of their development. I missed it. So I looked to Lewis, my third. All right, Lewis, I'm going to give you the attention you need. <laughs> missed it on the other two. But, but, but here was the underlying reality of each of those stages that I talked about in this book. From kids to young adulthood, the single most important thing, presence with. Presence with. See, we like to make discipleship complicated. Strategy, the do's and the don'ts, what is needed in each stage of life, 10 steps to making a disciple. All important, all good. I read those books. But none of that matters or will impact without consistent presence with. The best pastoral advice that I was ever offered was simply this. When you go to a church, don't change anything in the first year of ministry. Simply love and get to know the people. Because you can do less in one year than you think or imagine. But you can do more in five years than you think or imagine. What's being emphasized relationship with? So just as we recognize the necessity of relationship in discipleship, we cannot make disciples without being present with And just as we name that and say, yes, that's true. What do we see happening in the church today? What is the greatest temptation in the church today? It's to float around. It's to float around and not commit to lifelong relationship. We see this need. I'm called to to make disciples, right? The most important, I gotta be in relationship with God and I gotta be present with, with people. We see the need. And where does the enemy get us? What's the greatest temptation? Float around. Stay shallow, stay surface level, not commit. A Christian is designed to move. Yes, a Christian is designed to move, but a Christian is not designed to float. You could do more in five years than you think and less in one year than you think. So making disciples, the vertical will dictate the horizontal. Making disciples can't happen without relationship. And here's my last one. Making disciples starts with a towel. The final posture is service. My first observation and my last observation from this text is Jesus says, go and make disciples. He doesn't say go and be disciples. See, Jesus is always calling us to the other. He's always calling us to the other, not to ourselves. Go and make disciples, other-focused. Not go and be disciples, me-focused. Discipleship, and may, it, it, it can almost become like a journey to self-actualization. 
right? I, I use Jesus to become the, the, the best version of myself. Jesus came to, to, to make you great, to grow your influence. You will become somebody. Just watch what Jesus is gonna do with your life. And again, the, the great commission subtly moves from being about making disciples to just being a disciple. From other focused to just me focused. And friends, this isn't a new thing because as the disciples at the time were debating this and they were asking each other, who is the greatest? Who is the greatest? Jesus does what? He picks up a towel and he washes their feet. John 13. Reminding them that indeed saved people serve people. In a world bent on self-discovery, oh, I hear it all the time. And I see it in my own life. It's embarrassing. In a world bent on self-discovery and being the best version of yourselves, Jesus just reminds his disciples, the best version of yourself comes when you stop focusing on yourself. The reality is if service is beneath you, then discipleship is way beyond you. So I'll invite the worship team forward. Ken, come on up and team. Ben, love what you shared this morning, brother. Thank you for that, Ben. I don't think it's a coincidence. What's his name for my jam, Robin, the director? What's that guy's name on the screen? Ray. Ray. It's not a coincidence that Ray is going to quote the same verse that I'm finishing on. I don't think that's a coincidence. Matthew 25, verse 20, 34, Jesus says, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. Verse 39, they replied, Lord, when did we ever see you naked or sick or hungry? Verse 40, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, what you did for the least of these, you did for me. Friends, where is Jesus in the story? Is he with the person who's coming to the poor and the hungry? Or is, he, or is he the poor and the hungry? Because too often we get caught up as a church in our own self-importance and quite frankly, arrogance. I'm gonna bring Jesus to these people. Wrong. Jesus is with these people. Jesus is already at work with these people. And what's he doing? He's inviting you into that work and ministry. That's service, my friends. Making disciple, it's not about bringing Jesus, but indeed participating with what Jesus is already doing in the world. And friends, there's no greater purpose. There's no greater adventure. There's no greater privilege than having a front row seat and watching God disciple a person. That's the privilege that we get invited into as the people of God. And there's no greater adventure. Matthew 13, 44, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that's hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold everything that he bought. Friends, may we be captured once again by this commission. May we refocus and continue to reimagine what Christ is calling us into. And may we say at the end of our life, there is no greater privilege than be able to participate in what Jesus was already doing in the world. May it be so, church. 
Love you guys. Thanks for listening to the E-Free Lethbridge podcast. We'll see you next week.